Hi everyone, welcome to The Raw Show with Michael McDonald and I have a very special guest. We have Arwen Barsley joining me today. Arwen, thank you for joining me on the show. Thank you very, very much for having me, Michael. Arwen is a well-being practitioner who delves into the broader and deeper levels of health and well-being and is the founder of Evanstar Wellbeing. Hope I got that name right. She explores how science and nature are always at work in alternative health and well-being. Arwen specialises in looking at underlying causes, including metaphysical anatomy and epigenetics, preventative health and energetic balance on all levels. So this sounds, at least to me, that we're going to dive into <coughs> excuse me, a lot to do with, with medicine and, and how we can help diagnose certain things. But I thought we would start with, with your background, if that's all right, Arwen. So could you tell me and our listeners where you were born and what it was like for you growing up? Absolutely. So I was born in Melbourne in Australia where I still live. So I have gone far but uh, haven't, haven't lived anywhere else for very long yet um, and grew up in the, um, in the 80s in, in Australia and it was a great time. I uh, had a younger brother. My, both my parents were teachers so they got school holidays, so we'd have family holidays all over different places in our state of Australia. Um, and, yeah, had lots of friends around the neighbourhood. I'm always telling my kids at the moment we've been watching the show Stranger Things on Netflix, so I'm always like, yeah, yeah, that's how it was like for us, riding our bikes around, staying out until dark, just had to get home for dinner, a bit different than it is these days. Um, I guess something that's significant that happened for me when I was growing up was when I was eight, um, one morning we were having breakfast before school and my mum collapsed in the kitchen. And that was pretty scary as, a, as an eight-year-old. And she um, got taken to hospital and in the end she was diagnosed with lupus, with SLE, and um, so had a really long battle with this um, really... Uh, quite can be quite a destructive disease, but um, you know it was just horrible as as a child seeing your mum um, go from somebody that you see as you know really strong and invincible and able to do everything um, to someone who uh, you know just couldn't do that. She was just tired all the time. She would you know she used to walk us to school and back and she would have to come and pick us up in the car and um, just little things like that that you'd notice as a kid. Um, and, you know, and I remember sitting down at the dinner table saying, right, you know, everybody, we've got to, we've got to help mum around the house. And, you know, this is me again as an eight-year-old saying that. Um, so, yeah, that was, it was scary. And, and I probably haven't really... Um, accredited it with much in my background apart from the fact that it did spark my interest at a pretty young age in alternative therapies because I think initially my mum didn't go down that path she very much stuck with western medicine but um, certainly then throughout my childhood she was exploring lots of different things 
um, you know, yoga, meditation, qigong. She um, saw a Chinese, traditional Chinese medicine practitioner um, and just tried various different things. And at some point, although I think that was when I was growing up, she actually did her first qualification in Reiki, which is my um, main modality. And, um, and again, I don't remember at the time particularly thinking a lot about it, but I must have, you know, locked it away in the back of my brain. And um, it was just, it was always there and it was always something that I thought, I want to do that, I need to do that. And then when I got to my midlife crisis, I did. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess that was just an important... Apart from that, my, you know, I had a, I had a great childhood. Um, I certainly had some... I remember when I was a teenager, I had a, an amazing result from having some acupuncture myself. I'd had chronic tonsillitis for what seemed like months and on and off antibiotics. And then my mum actually took me to a TCM practitioner and had acupuncture and had some disgusting herbs that I think I, I ended up not taking them all. But in the end, um, it, well, very quickly, really, I, my tonsillitis was gone, which was um, amazing. So I guess I've, you know, I've always had that openness to alternative therapies and um, then have finally gotten into it as in the second part of my professional career, I guess. Right. Did the, did the acupuncture actually get rid of the tonsillitis then? Or, I mean, I'm not really, really familiar on what, on what that is. Um, but would you be able to explain to us what acupuncture is and if it played a part in, in curing you of the tonsillitis? Yeah, so acupuncture is, again, it does, it, well, I shouldn't say again because I haven't talked about it yet on this podcast, but it, um, acupuncture works with the body's energy channels. So specifically, acupuncture works with meridians, uh, which are energy pathways through the body that we can't see, although there is more research now trying to be done to, to actually work out where they are um, as far as Western medicals and um, Western medicine is concerned, because certainly in um, Eastern and alternative practices, um, they're very well recognised. So acupuncture actually puts um, needles just a little bit into the skin on the different places on the energy pathway. So they're um, special points called acupressure points and um, the practitioner will work out where they need to, to go depending on which meridians are out of balance. And, yes, it did. It totally got rid of my tonsillitis. So um, I can't remember how many sessions I had to have, but, um, you know, I thought that was totally amazing at the time and I still, I still do and I've had acupuncture since then as well. It's not something... Um, that is a part of Reiki, but we, again, we are um, using the body's energies, natural energy pathways um, in Reiki as well. So I guess that was my first interest into the natural energies of the body and how they can be used to heal ourselves. Right. So um, one of the, the guests that I've had on in the past is, has talked about something called tapping 
or, yeah. or taping. I can't quite remember the tapping. Yeah, yeah. tapping. Yeah, it's, it seems a little bit similar to that because it responds to the um, the pressure points on the face, if I remember rightly, to do with yeah. with, with certain parts of the body and, and that kind of thing. And it, it kind of reminds me of again, you probably know a lot more about this than I do, but um, like parts of the the foot as well can also yeah. relate to parts of the body. I, th- I think it's related to the the nervous system or something like that because obviously the the feet and hands are the you know peripheral nervous system and it all kind of links together that way is that is that how it sort of works that's right so um that's absolutely right so tapping and um reflexology is the practice that's the one yeah so there's there's really a map of the whole body on the bottom of your foot and on the palm of your hand and it, you can touch certain areas um um, on your foot or your hand and that will um, play play a part in moving the energies in that particular body meridian for that part of the body and tapping is it's the same it's using acupressure points on the face you're absolutely right right cool no it's it's just something that I'm really interested in because I think although unfortunately i'm on the um the basis of always always standing by places like the nhs and the, the national health and on all that kind of thing I, i'm unfortunately i'm a bit of a believer in in that side of things it's something that i can't really help because i i'm also diabetic so mm. it, it's hard for me to turn around and say well it doesn't work if you know it's saved my life on many occasions so yeah. it's so it's i guess it's hard if you're someone that's been very positively impacted by something that is currently well used um in, you know in, in comparison to the, the things that, that you mentioned as well but it is something that i am interested in because people have have benefited from it as well so it's just kind of the same thing where if you benefited from it positively and you've gotten results from it as you mentioned with the talents of lightest, then obviously you're gonna you're gonna believe in it because you did it and you got the result at the end but um i'm interested to know is there anything else that you did for your tonsillitis alongside it um, well, so I'd initially had lots of um, doses of antibiotics, as I said, and the um, the Chinese medical practitioner gave me herbs, Chinese herbs as well, to have at the same time. But um, I can definitely tell you I did not take them all because they were so disgusting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that is unfortunately pretty common, but I'm sure now as a grown-up I can handle it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but just on what you said, I totally agree. It shouldn't be an either-or. There are so some um, absolutely amazing things that um, Western medicine can offer us, and you know, a lot of the time you do need to take um, an approach of just grabbing the bits of um, whatever practice it is that work for you. And I would never, ever tell somebody to, you know, stop taking their medication or no, you shouldn't have that surgery if that's what a medical practitioner has told them to have. But what I do with Reiki offers a fantastic support 
um, tool for that. So for things like if somebody is having surgery, then I would definitely recommend that they have Reiki before the surgery and then after the surgery. There are more and more studies being done. There are more and more hospitals having Reiki as part of their um, treatment process and recovery process to just provide people with that extra support because it brings about energetic balance in the body. So even um, the Harvard Medical School in the US has a, um, a Reiki practice as part of um, what they offer to their patients it, to help them to recover and get better more quickly, to deal with pain, to deal with stress, to deal with anxiety. Um, so it's really exciting to be in the um, space now because there's more and more research being done on the benefits of it and getting it into and connected with and used with Western medicine a lot more. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I can definitely see see a lot of the, these practices at least working together. Like if we do them at the same time, I can definitely see them getting, you know, fairly big results at least, particularly in, in in sort of conjunction with a lot of medicines that are out there at the minute. Um, yeah. what, what, what would you say to someone that was like, well, how do I actually know like the, the actual benefits from doing it? Now, I know that there's, there's a lot to be said for doing things long term. You know, if you do something for, for the year, it's always going to benefit you more than doing it once and then never really doing it again. But if in terms of like... Yeah, the actual impact that you can feel like in the moment like if you go for a massage say you can feel definitely relaxed as a result of doing it depending on how intense the, the massage is but how, how how do you define the the benefit in terms of like after the the actual treatment itself like the initial result Mm -hmm. So, um, great question. It's And it's the same as with massage. So, most people will feel something immediately. Um, they will have that absolutely the same. The first um, benefit, probably, the first immediate benefit of Reiki is also relaxation. So, um, actually, when they are receiving Reiki, most people will feel some sensation and it might be different sensations throughout the body. So typical things are they'll certainly feel heat. At, you know, we're working with energy, so that totally makes sense. They'll feel heat. They'll feel a tingling sensation. They might feel um, sort of a buzzy sensation in their body. Uh, a lot of people will feel like um, there's certain parts of their body that go really heavy during um, a session and like, you know, like they couldn't lift their arm if they wanted to, that kind of feeling, um, pins and needles kinds of sensations. And also then the opposite of the heaviness that a lot of people will feel really light and floaty and might have, I guess, more um, uh, sensations in their mind, like that'll have... Um, it's almost like a dream, but they're not asleep. 
having said that, a lot of people are so relaxed during Reiki that they do actually fall asleep as well, which is which is fine. And they don't need to feel anything for it to work. Um, but certainly people do feel things immediately. And a lot of the time, especially after their first session, then they will feel just totally amazing sort of, you know, a lot of people will come and see me because they are feeling anxious and uptight and stressed and they'll, you know, get off that table and they'll feel really relaxed. Um, and, you know, then I certainly have amazing outcomes for people with pain as well, that they, you know, have had some hip pain that they haven't been able to deal with. And hips are a really big one because we do store a lot of emotion in our hips and they'll get up off that table. And, you know, I remember one lady saying, you know, I felt like I was dancing out the door because her, her hips just felt so much better. Um, so people certainly do feel things immediately. And then, as you said, if they um, are really trying to deal with something that they have been um, experiencing for some time, and, and that is often the case that they do, then having more than one session is certainly going to be of benefit because it's like peeling off an onion. You've got to get through the layers and get right down using energy to the underlying causes of what what they're experiencing and working through at the physical level and the emotional and mental levels to try and peel everything back and you know get them a long lasting result and then I'll certainly recommend and, and a lot of my clients find that it's great to then kind of have a tune up like you do for your car you have a bit of a service every now and again so they'll come back every month or some people might come every three months to just bring that energy back into balance to help their body get that energy back into balance again. Okay cool so yeah I mean um, I've always been <clears throat> I'm a little bit. I don't. I don't want to say skeptic because I'm definitely leaning. I'm definitely leaning more towards the more alternative things. But if someone was quite skeptical about it, so people listen, people who are listening to this might be quite skeptical of the the alternative side of things, like the the reiki and, and that side of stuff. So, how how would you how would you go about? I don't really want to use this word now, but how would you go about selling it to someone that? <laughs> That would be that would be a skeptic of the, the practices that you actually take take part in. Well, I look if someone was highly highly skeptical, I wouldn't bother Michael. Um, I just think that you need to be in the right space in your head for to get a really good benefit out of it. However, if somebody was just like, oh, well, you know, I've never tried it before, but I'm curious, which I do get a lot of, then absolutely, um, you know, like the results speak for themselves, really. Um, they, and, you know, I can certainly talk to them just like I have now about results that I've um, seen for other people um, and not, you know, not just with um physical pain as I spoke about before but certainly people who've had amazing changes in their um, emotional um, lives that they've you know they've come in being a total wreck after having a relationship breakup is a really common one and then 
find that they are able to actually bring their lives back together, feel like they want to look after themselves, um, be able to release that pain and that um, sense of loss and um, move on to bigger and better things in their lives. So, you know, I can certainly speak about numerous examples of where people have had results like that to somebody who's, you know, slightly sceptical but interested. But for people who are um, really totally sceptical coming into it saying, well, this isn't going to work for me, well, it's not because... I think that if you have blockages towards receiving the energy, then you're not going to receive it because everything is energy and that emotional and mental feeling about um, what, we got, what I would do is, is going to stop that energy being received by your body and in that way I mean all levels of your body. Um, as in mental and emotional and spiritual as well as the physical body. Uh, so, yeah, I just I wouldn't waste my time and their time trying to sell it to them. Right, so it, it seems, um, to, to me at least, it's almost like a placebo effect. So it's like if you really don't believe that it's going to work, then it won't. And if you really do believe that it will work, then it might actually benefit you from just me because you might... You actually engage more with it for instance you might yeah. you know kind of yeah. accept things a bit more which means that the results might actually be better as a result how much would you say that actually plays a part in it the i think it is called the placebo effect but how would you how would you go about sort of noticing how how much actually believing in what it is that you're doing plays a part in the results that you get well, uh, there are certainly lines of thought that um, Reiki uh, most, um, most of all is a spiritual practice. I actually, that is not the way I think about it and work with it because I think it basically comes back to science and although we can't see um, these things and how it works. We can't actually see energetic centres in the body and the meridians, as I spoke about before, but we can see the results that we get from working with it. So it's um, a results-based practice rather than an evidence-based practice. But um, I do, but as I said before, uh, it's everything is energy. And if, you, if you're... Um, thought energy is um, negative towards something and what you're going to, the benefits you're going to receive, then I don't believe that you're going to receive them. Now you may, you may still receive some benefits, but you're going to discount them anyway. So what would be the point? Um, so I think uh, certainly um, some people do take that approach of, well, it doesn't really matter if, if it's not actually doing me any good. If I believe it's doing me good, it's doing me good. And again, it's all energy. It's your positive thought energy, again, working in a positive way for your body. So I, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Well, I quite like as well something that um, I just want to maybe underline for people is that it's it's about the results versus the evidence, so to speak. You mentioned yeah. that it's it's a results based practice as opposed to an evidence based practice, and I quite like that. 
it's yeah. it seems to it seems to roll off the tongue quite well, but it does <laughs> it 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 does make sense because there's a lot of things that there might not be evidence for right now, yeah. but there might be evidence for you know in maybe five years time. I mean, there's there's a lot of things that we we did we did believe about ten years ago that now we we don't really do anymore and that's that's the fact that evidence perhaps is maybe caught up to the results you know and i think we're in i think we could be at least in a very similar situation where people like yourself might actually be ahead of the evidence because you're using people's actual results to guide your your practice rather than what people have felt valuable enough to to research themselves because you know if if no one actually wants to go out there and study these things, then you know there's going to be no evidence for them, <laughs> just because yeah. people haven't people haven't done the studies. But uh, yeah. yeah, I can That's definitely cool. see I can definitely see that being the case. You know, when results, yeah. you know, if if a hundred people get results, that 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 in itself is is evidence because yeah. I, I I can't see, oh, but I personally can't see a difference between someone conducting a study and you doing it with you know a hundred clients say yes. i guess the the only major difference would be it might be more controllable like the yes. the situations might be more repeatable or controllable or whatever the case is but in terms of like trying to deliver a service to someone it is going to be tailored to a certain degree it's not, it's not going to be the same over and over again, like some kind of cook, almost like this cookie cutter type thing. And it, it, there is then a reason why it might only work for half the population. But if it is, if it is more specialised, then I'd imagine the percentage might go up. That's right. And, I mean, there are numerous, numerous examples from Western medicine where we started using things without really understanding how and why they worked um, and it's 5.30 in the morning and I can't think of an example. I'm very sorry, but <laughs> it's all right. Um, so that's absolutely right. And, uh, yes, there's a very um, small number of uh, controlled, um, you know, double-blind studies on Reiki and how and why it works, but they are starting to um, be done a lot more. So uh, I think you know, in the years to come, there's definitely going to be more evidence to try and um, to, to be around to be able to uh, make people who are sceptical a bit more open to receiving the energy that they could receive from Reiki. But at the moment, we're in the early days of those kinds of studies, but absolutely, I and every other Reiki practitioner out there, and there are many of us, can talk about all the results that we get from our clients. Now, this this might seem a little bit of a, a strange question to ask, but the the nature of the the more the more Western or the more popular method of, of taking medication and treatments and things is that there's always an element of it not working. There's, there's always a percentage that it works for and a percentage that it doesn't, and you're taking the the thing that will probably work for the most number of people, which is why it's probably more heavily prescribed. But have you ever had an occasion where the alternative medicines hasn't worked for somebody? Um, 
Look, I've certainly had people who have come to see me once and then not come back, not come back again. Yeah. So I would assume that they have felt that they haven't got much benefit out of it, and that's why they haven't come back again. But usually, you know, those those people um, don't. Uh, let me know that that's exactly how they feel. I think people are a bit polite about that. They don't want to um, feel like they're hurting your feelings or something. I'm not sure. Um, but they generally don't call me up and go, no, I didn't feel any benefits, so I'm not coming back again. They just don't come back again. Um, but, yeah, otherwise, I think that, again, it's all about how much you want to use that practice how open you are to changing other things in your life around it as well because Reiki uh, is amazing and working with the body's energies is a fantastic way to bring about change in your life but you can't just do that. You can't expect that you go and see any kind of alternative health practitioner and then don't change anything else in your life outside of what they do for you or help you with and expect to be able to change your life. You need to have uh, an approach of a holistic approach to your own well-being and take everything into account. So especially something I'm very, very passionate about is food and what energy you are putting into your body is absolutely critical and making sure that you are giving your body the nutrients that it needs and not giving it a lot of toxins and things that it doesn't need and doesn't know how to process. Um, and then all the other things that I think most people are aware of, but then a lot of people still don't put into place. So drinking lots of water, getting enough sleep, moving your body. So doing exercise, um, something else I'm really big on is meditation as well. So looking after your mental and spiritual health, doing things like meditation um, and taking, yeah, taking that holistic approach, doing, doing and being around, doing things you love, being around people you love, um, just general, you know, overall looking after yourself and your well-being is what you're going to need to do to change your life. You can't expect any practitioner, or no matter what they they are practicing with regards to medicine, to change your whole life for you. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would definitely agree. I mean, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about before we started the recording of the people that. They exercise all the time and then they wonder why they're not losing weight if, if they're eating you know twice as much as they probably should every single day it's yeah. it's almost like ice skating uphill to a certain extent yeah exactly right so and, and you know the bottom line here Michael is really that we all can heal ourselves and that is what we are working with in any modality again that the body has this amazing innate ability to heal itself and if you're not doing things to look after it then it can't possibly do that so you know people like unfortunately to have a magical pill and be able to 
just swallow something down every day and think that that's going to change their life, but it's not because you're just treating a symptom and you're not changing anything about what the underlying cause of your condition is and you're not taking responsibility and control of your own health, which is you are the person in charge. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I would definitely echo that. And um, this kind of leads on to, well, it leads on quite nicely, actually, to this idea of how do we decide on which one to go for? So with, with, with all of these certain practices, and you mentioned, you mentioned underlining causes before, how, how do we actually get to know what the cause is? How, how can we understand it? Because from, from someone that knows a fair amount about our, our health and our, our body and things, it's almost like the more that we know, the harder it becomes to actually get to the underlying cause. Hmm. Because we always, like, um, there's so many of the same symptoms that can mean different things. Yes. And there's so many things that we might think are causes, but might actually just be symptoms and things that if we think are symptoms might actually be causes. And this, this sounds like there's this whole minefield of, well, we don't really know what mm. the underlying causes are. So we're going to do something that someone recommends as work for something similar. And we realize that we are in fact just treating the, the symptoms as opposed mm -hmm. to the underlying causes so what, what could you share with us regarding how to actually find out what the underlying causes are sure so in the practice of energetic medicine and so this is i'm not just um, necessarily talking about in a practice of Reiki, which is what I do, but in other things like kinesiology as well, and probably to some extent uh, traditional Chinese medicine, Ayurveda as well. Um, we're looking at underlying causes in terms of emotions, really. So what is the underlying emotional cause of some conditions? So the, um, these practices basically go along the lines of that all, any condition, any physical or mental health condition is going to have an underlying cause that may come from uh, an emotional experience that's going on at the moment. It may come from an emotional experience that occurred early in life and that you may not actually have a conscious memory of that may even have been something that occurred in a previous generation. So there is a lot more stuff in the media at the moment about epigenetics. So this is looking at things that have happened in previous generations and then actually the um, actually affect our genes and that the emotion or um, even I like to think of it as the energy from that situation gets carried through the gene pool and can actually come out in people in later generations. And it's absolutely amazing um, to think 
to think that we might be, you know, affected in that way by things that haven't even happened in our lifetime. Um, but that is what we are looking at. So it's really digging really deep to try and get to what underlying causes of things are, especially if it's something that somebody's been dealing with for a long time um, and that they just can't, like you're saying, they just can't figure out what the, the actual cause might be. Um, and they go through treating a whole lot of symptoms in a whole lot of different ways and they're still not getting better, then... I would definitely be, well, you know, in, regardless of what it is, I'll be looking with my clients at what are the potential underlying emotional causes of any condition. And it's quite incredible sometimes how you can um, lead people down that path in terms of talking about, so, for example, with the joints. The joints are generally always about if somebody has a knee problem, well, it's going to be something to do with flexibility, something to do with moving forward to being able to take the next step in your life. And um, the minute you can suggest something like that to most people, then they'll go, oh, yes, okay, that makes sense. It relates to blah, 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 blah. Um, and it's really powerful when people can, can really get to that. Now, obviously, if we're dealing with things um, along the epigenetic line where something has happened in a previous generation, then you might actually literally not know about it. And there are other ways that people can try and find out information about that. But even just having that understanding of, you know, if you go into the metaphysical anatomy of something and talk to people about, well, this is um, what the potential um, uh, underlying causes emotionally for this kind of condition might be, and it may be something that you're not consciously aware of, then even just knowing that they don't have to be consciously aware of what it is and have that, you know, be able to put, put it in words, then for them to have that understanding of there is an underlying cause and it might be something along these lines, then it seems to bring about some kind of release of energy and again, that they can have amazing results by letting that go, by just having that um, understanding that they don't need to, under, to be able to put everything into their conscious mind. And this is why one of the reasons that I love Reiki so much and, and any other energetic medicine is going to work in the same way, that you don't have to actually have a clear-cut understanding of what the underlying cause is because it's going to work on all levels of the body and those emotional and mental um, levels of energy are going to be going to be affected and treated or don't really like the word treated but they're going to be affected by um, that Reiki energy as well even if you don't know exactly what it is that you're dealing with so that's why it's so powerful. And a lot of the time this can come into play as well when people are seeking support for something that is um, a mental or um, 
psychological, emotional condition where, you know, like I spoke about before, the situation of grief, and they don't actually want to have to talk through the whole thing again. And um, this is in no way to take away from what psychologists and counsellors and things do. I think that's really important as well, that people need to do that. But then they might get to a point where they don't want it they're all talked out they don't want to talk about it anymore they just want to feel better and they don't have to talk through everything with a an energetic medicine practitioner they can just um, come along and have that energy directed to them and it's going to help them feel better without them having to explain everything because the energy is going to work anyway as long as they're open to it hope that answers your question. I feel like I've <laughs> it. But it's all right. I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of things that, that you mentioned that I, I probably just want a little bit, a little bit to maybe dig into. But um, I quite like the, the idea of, of things showing up emotionally as well. Yeah. So you, you, you mentioned quite a bit that emotion tends to be related to the underlying cause. Yeah. Um, but there's, there's quite a lot of quite a lot of questions that I have and I, I don't know whether to ask them like two at a time and you can maybe answer them or, or whatever but you mentioned things like um, epigenetics as well now mm -hmm. I, I probably want to start off with this one we can sort of dive into some of the others is that if if something is epigenetically caused to a certain extent that well, my first thought was well that means I clearly can't do anything about it it's out of my hands because it's happened potentially hundreds of years ago and it's been passed down my sort of tendencies or whatever it happens to be that that would then lead a lot of people to turn around and say well that means that this is just the way I am and I can't really do much about it what would you say to that I would say um yeah just what I said before that um with using energy then you can still clear that so you don't you don't you don't need to know what it is and you don't need to worry uh, and also just that i think what they have worked out so far is they think that things can be carried through from up to five generations so it's probably not hundreds of years but yes maybe a hundred years um but yes yeah, so basically this is the power of using energy is that you don't have to have um, that, you don't have to be able to grasp onto it, you don't have to even know what it is, but it's going to work anyway. And it's going to, it's all about um, moving and clearing energy again. So we are able to do that even if it happened that long ago. If it's somewhere in your body and it doesn't have to, again, I'm always saying it's not necessarily your physical body, but obviously if we're talking about genetics, there's a physical component of it, but mm -hmm. it's going to work anyway. Right. Well, you, you mentioned emotions. I think we should probably sort of transition yep. into that now. And um, what if it, doesn't actually help you then figure out what to do about the thing that you're experiencing. So if you're like sad or depressed or anxious or because a lot of people listening to this are people that run their own businesses. So these people are entrepreneurs, these people run their own businesses. And very often 
it's it's more of an emotional roller coaster than anything else, to say the least, right? A lot of people listening will probably be nodding their head when it comes to me explaining this. But I'm nodding my head as well, Michael. Yeah. So <laughs> what so what what happens if someone goes, Well, I'm really anxious about X, Y, and Z mm-hmm. that that might not actually make them feel better about their, you know, predicament that they're in because they might go right well that doesn't make me any clearer on what you know system of thought that that I should use in terms of dealing with the situation because it's I mean I I use the analogy of like knowing you're going to get hit by this football is a Mm -hmm. lot worse than not knowing Mm -hmm. because you stood there staring at the football all the while thinking it's going to hit me it's going to hit me it's going to hit me and then it actually makes the experience a lot worse. So if, if you know that you're in a bad place and you're not quite sure what to do about it, that can often make things worse than if you didn't have that level of awareness. But, yeah. no, but knowing that also doesn't mean you're any wiser on what practice to use. Mm. So uh, is there a certain guideline that you can give our listeners? Is there a certain way of going, right, I'm feeling this way, this is the practice that I should use because we've mentioned quite a lot in terms of meditation and Reiki and acupuncture and you know you name it we, we probably got an A yeah. to Z we could cover but <laughs> it doesn't actually help that we have all these methods that we have all these emotions if anything it could make our lives harder to find out what to do about the problem yep so I would say first of all I would say everybody should meditate regardless of um, how they feel about their life and what they feel may or may not be right or wrong with it. Um, I think meditation just opens up a different part of our brain's capacity and, again, more and more studies being done that show that um, people who meditate are um, living their lives at a level of having higher mental capacity, less depression, sleeping better, less anxiety. Um, meditation is, you've brought it up, so I'll have my little rant about it. It's, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is a practice. So people, and especially people who are pressed for time, will uh, maybe give it a try. There are so, so many apps out there. So that's a great way to get going. And even there's YouTube videos and things like that. Um, one app that I really love is called Insight Timer because it has more, about 8,000 different types of meditation on it. Um, and everybody can always find a style that they like on there. But it's a practice. So it's not something that you can expect you're going to be able to sit still for 15 minutes and feel like you are diving deep into the realms of your mind. You need to just keep giving it a go. Our brain is designed to think just like our heart is designed to beat. We cannot stop our brain from thinking. But when you get more into a meditation practice and you're able to put that thought into a focus onto something, for example, um, like the breath, then that is where we're going to get benefits. So I'd really, really encourage everybody out there to 
to not give up, to not say, you know, I, I've tried meditation and it doesn't work for me. Everybody feels like that when they first start doing meditation. You've just got to persevere with it um, and make it a part of your life, like brushing your teeth, that it's just something that you wouldn't not do every day. Um, so, yeah, so that's meditation. And now I've completely forgotten what your question was. Um, but <laughs> oh, it was around what, what should people do. So, um, and also uh, as far as Reiki, um, I, again, I mean, I would say it will, it will benefit everybody and especially for those things where they're feeling anxious. And it's not, no, it's not going to say to them, this is what you need to do about this problem, but it's going to bring back that energetic balance so that you feel less anxious and then you're able to deal with the problem. I certainly would, um, and there are, you know, a number of my clients that, um, well, they might, they might come to me when they're already having some other kind of counselling or even, you know, in a business situation where you might be having mentoring or coaching or something like that. And I'm not um, certainly not going to say that Reiki is going to replace that, but what it's going to do is it's going to put your mind in a position because it's because of the energetic balance that we're bringing about that it's going to put your mind in a place where it's much more receptive and able to think clearly and able to make decisions and able to work out what is the next best thing that I need to do. So it's really a support tool. Um, apart from um, putting my plug in for Reiki, uh, <laughs> I would say to people that... Um, Go with gut feel. Uh, I think we don't do that enough in Western society. So if you think that something sounds good, then then go with it. Get on get on good old Google and look up your your words, what you think you're feeling. You're feeling anxious. We'll type that into Google and see what comes up as far as what people are suggesting has worked. What what um, comes up as a potential option for you. I think. If you're open to something, it's um, always going to be of some benefit. You're always going to get something out of it. But if you go to kind of a broad spectrum practice like meditation or like Reiki, then you're going to um, be able to, it's going to help you with anything that you're trying to deal with. Right, so it's, it's almost, so are there, are there, kind of you do reiki for x y and z you do acupuncture for x y and z is it actually possible to find those things so it's just a case of doing a bit of due diligence and, and research before you go out there and decide on what practice to use or is it is it is it literally just like what what you're open to what you think would work is it yeah. is it possible to do it through research and going ha huh, I'm experiencing this and I do a bit of good old Google and we get to a point where we go, ah, therefore acupuncture or reflexology is, is the way, or is it going to take a bit more than that? Yeah, no, I think, I think that's absolutely right, that that's how you can do it. And, um, you know, and then there'll be things like, well, so 
if we take acupuncture as an example, there'll be plenty of people out there who don't want needles stuck in them. I mean, it's not like having having an injection. They they only get really just placed on your skin. Um, and same with reflexology. There's plenty of people out there who don't like having their feet touched, so they're not going to choose reflexology. But all of those practices are working with the body's energies and um, that everything is interconnected within the body. So it's, yeah, I, I would definitely go with recommendations if somebody that you know has tried something and has found a practitioner who's really good. And I think that's one of the key things is all of these practices are um, quite personal to some extent. You want to work with somebody that you feel comfortable with and um, that really comes into play as well. And again, it's also about your openness to what you're going to receive because if you're if you go and see someone and you don't really click with them or you don't like their approach or their manner or you don't like the room that they work in, then, you know, it, it's all going to be to detract from the benefit that you might receive. Um, I certainly think that, yeah, as I said, going with uh, someone who is recommended by someone you know who perhaps is has um, had a similar condition is really great idea as well and that you know that applies really for anything in life it's always great to go with the recommendation but certainly for practitioners if you've got a friend who recommends somebody then you they're going to know you hopefully and understand what kind of person you're going to like with as well so you're going to have that benefit of somebody that hopefully you are going to um, click with in terms of feeling comfortable and feeling like this person's going to be able to help you all right, awesome. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it does seem like, you know, there are there are preferences as well. Like people don't like massages because they don't like people yeah. touching them and, and yeah. all those kinds of things. So a lot of it would come down to personal preference. Um, right. Yeah, if, it, so just before we finish, last couple of questions for you. If someone would like to find out more about you and what you've got going on, if someone wants to find out about what you do, maybe, maybe see what you've got going on, where, where can they go? So um, probably the best place is my website. So it's um, Evenstar Wellbeing. So it's uh, just one word, .com. And I do have heaps and heaps of stuff on my blog about all different things to do with wellbeing. So they can check them out there. And then there's links um, from my website to my Facebook page. I've pretty much got all the social media going on. So Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and even Google Plus. I don't know if anybody out there is actually on Google Plus, but I'm on there. <laughs> um, so yes, they can they can um, connect with me and follow me and see all my um, multitude of uh, content that I have out there on all those channels. All right, good stuff. And last question. So this is where we can we can blow things wide open now. So this answer doesn't have to be on on context. It can be random. It can be whatever you want. We've had favourite foods and all kinds. So last question. What would you like the world to know about you that it doesn't already know? I've always wanted to get a tattoo, and I haven't had the guts to do it yet. 
All right, well, uh, I think it's a great time to end. Arwen, thanks for, for joining me on the show. I appreciate you carving out the time. I know it's, it's quite early for you, so even more grateful that you took the time. And um, I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll keep in touch. All right. Thanks so much, Michael.